I think that is like the coolest song to walk out to. <laughs> you just want to strut, but I can't dance, so I ain't doing it. <laughs> What's up, guys? My name's Kenny. Welcome to South Point, man. Whether you're family, friends, guests, visitors for the first time, whatever, man. If it's your first time here, we want you to relax. We want you to enjoy. We want you to be able to go out and explore. And, you know, we're real simple. We're one church in two locations. We've got a campus here. We've got another one over in Allen Park. And our mission is simple. We want to win down river to Christ, right? It's because we believe that we're part of the church that was formed 2,000 years ago. It's a missionary movement to bring the message of Jesus around the world, and this is our little corner of the world, and that's what we're trying to do. So we've got a bunch of teens right now that are away at winter weekend, right? Hopefully they're having a good time up there. Speaking of teens, anybody old enough to remember the Blues Brothers? A lot of us. Wow. Okay, never Let me scratch some of this off. No. You know, when I was a teen, they were a musical act, right? There were two original Saturday Night Live guys. It was John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd, and they took on the persona of Jake and Elwood Blues. Right? They put out this hit album with the main song. What was the song? You guys don't remember. Soul Man, remember? Remember Soul Man? You're like, yeah, we're still asleep. Give us a break. <laughs> There's st- no, you don't want that either. <laughs> In fact, they're still touring as a musical act now, except for Jim Belushi is, is now taking the place of his brother John, of course. And you can find tribute acts all over, the, all over the country, including here. You know, 40 years ago, they turned this into a hit movie that became a cult classic. And I never saw it back then because it was rated R. And I probably wouldn't recommend anybody go see it now, but I heard they made an edited version for TV. It was about two brothers. One of them was Joliet Jake, who got paroled for, from prison for robbery. And he reunites with his brother Elwood, right? And they go to this Roman Catholic orphanage where they kind of grew up in, and they found out that it's going to close unless somebody comes up with $5,000 to pay property tax. So when Jake hints that they can just steal the money, the head nun kicks them out and tells them not to come back until he redeems himself. So what do they do? They go to church, right? <laughs> so they go to church service and Jake has this epiphany. He says, listen, if we can raise that money by reforming the blues band. And so on their quest, whenever they get asked about their crazy, crazy ways that they do things, their crazy behavior, or why they're creating so much mayhem, they always explain that we're on a mission from God, right? And there's nothing that's gonna stop them. Not the authorities, not tons of cops, not the military, SWAT team, rednecks, neo-Nazis, or homicidal, jilted ex-fiancés. Nothing's going to stop them, right? And their mission was obviously misguided, and it wasn't very spiritual. Even landed these two knuckleheads back in prison with their whole band. But the truth is, no matter how unlikely it seems, God's got a mission for all of us to be on, right? We're returning to the book of Acts, and this is the history of the first Christians, right? And we're going to pick up in chapter 12, and we're going to be pushing all the way through to chapter 16, leading us up to Easter. And these are, some, these are some incredible stories. So if you're carrying your Bible, your Bible app, whatever you got, we're going to ask you to turn to Acts chapter 12. Um, we're going to also throw it up on the screen if you don't have one. Also, if you want a New Testament, after the service, you can stop out by Info Central. You can stop at the guest uh, VIP area. We'd be happy to give you a New Testament. So we're going to see how two men that were, that were very different from Jake and Elwood go on this mission, mission from God. They're going to travel all the way around, Right? We're going to travel with Paul and Barnabas on their journey, and they're going to create some mayhem while they're out there as they take new territory and they, and they teach people about Jesus. And we're on that same mission from God today, right? But before we get into Paul and Barnabas, we're going to, we're going to hang out with the Apostle Peter today, right? He's the one that's, that's going to get released from prison. He's on death row right now. He's about to be executed. The very next day, he's scheduled to be executed. And it seems hopeless, but let's be honest, it ain't over till it's over when God's involved, right? God's still got work for Peter to do. And the Jewish authorities have tried to shut down this young church by persecuting its leaders, right? But so far, it hasn't worked. And now it turns political. 
right, with this new wave of persecuting resulting in the martyr death of one of the apostles for the very first time. It was about that time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them. He's the king of Judea, and this is the area around the region where Jerusalem is. And this is, this is a bad dude here. And there's more than one Herod in the Old Testament. If you, if you remember back, his grandpa was the one that had all the babies killed around the time that Jesus was born. And his uncle was the one that had John the Baptist beheaded. This is a wicked dynasty of rulers. But verse 2 says, he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. James was one of the, one of the 12 disciples. He was one of the main leaders of the early church. You remember that, that inner circle of Peter, James, and John? James is the first apostle to be put to death, but his brother John would never be put to death. He was the last one of the apostles to die over 50 years later. And up to this point, Christians like Stephen had died, and they expected that, right? They died for their faith. But the death of an apostle somehow shattered this illusion that they all had that these 12 people received some, some divine protection. And of course, this isn't, this isn't political, right? Our true enemies are not humans, it's not flesh and blood. That We know this is an attack from Satan, and his attack is to, his hope is to eliminate the leaders of the church. See, Christian leaders often become aware that we have a bigger bullseye on our back. Because if you take out the leader, what happens? The church will follow. Verse 3 says, when he, they're talking about Herod here, when he saw that this met with the approval of the Jews, they're talking about the Jews that actually opposed the church, he proceeded to seize Peter also. That happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. That's 16 people, right? Four squads, four each, four, eight, 12, 16. He's being guarded by 16 people, right? Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. See, once James was, was executed, this would have been a good time for Peter to get out of Dodge to just take off and to run, right? But he didn't. Because it's not always easy to press on and, and, and do the right thing when you're serving God. You're going to come up against obstacles. You're going to come up against pressures. You're going to come up against people who are, who are giving you a hard time. But we don't quit and we don't bolt. And we've had our share of struggles and our share of setbacks and criticisms and conflict at our church, right? Especially over the past few years as we've tried to take this message of Jesus to the people who need it. But it's nothing compared to what most churches go to. Most churches around the world have to deal with. In many parts of the world, the, the church is often denied. It's discriminated against. It's held back, zoned out, shut down, locked out, burned down sometimes, right? And it can be kings and it can be city zoning commissions. But guess what? We keep on serving the Lord anyway because we stay on mission, even when it's hard. You know, across northern Africa and across the Middle East and across Asia, Christians and, 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 church, and churches are being burned down. These guys are being persecuted. And it always starts with the leaders. Even, even in the west side of the world, even over here, where it's, Christianity is considered tolerant, Christians are being marginalized. They're being muzzled. Preachers can literally get in prison for teaching what the Bible says. Governments and societies are still trying to imprison the very message of Christ. So now we're in a situation where we're watching King Herod, right? And his approval rating's starting to go up. He's starting to raise in the polls a little bit. And he decides to go after this, this key leader, Peter. And he wants to kill him. And he puts him in a maximum security prison. He shackles him to guards so that there's not a chance that he can escape. 
Because I'm sure he remembers the story from a few years earlier in Acts 5 when the apostles were all rounded up and they were all put in prison. You remember the story? And one night they miraculously escaped. How did they escape? Well, an angel let them out and told them to go out, go out and teach in the, in the temple courts. Herod wasn't going to let that happen. And things look really bad for Peter right now, and they look really bad for the church. And it looked as though King Herod held all the cards, right? Except there was one thing, one factor that he didn't consider. One wild card that he didn't consider that the church played. Verse 5 says, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly doing what? Praying. They were praying to God for him. See, man, here's the key. That constant, intense prayer. Many people around the world are locked up just from simply being a Christian or just for sharing their faith. So let's not forget to pray for the, for the persecuted church. See, we regularly pray for them to, to help them to be bold, to help them to be a witness, to turn the hearts of their oppressors so that they can be delivered. And there's no doubt that they prayed for James too, right? They, changed, they prayed for James to be released, but it, he was still put to death. See, you can pray with everything you've got and still not receive the answer that you hope for. God's not obligated to say yes to all your prayers. Yet he still invites us to pray. See, prayer can move God, but it also helps us grow and it helps us to depend on him and it helps us to lean on him. It causes us to trust God. And sometimes, sometimes God says no because he knows better. He's got a different plan. And we may never know why he says no, but we gotta be okay with that because that's what trust is, right? That's what trust means. And sometimes God says, wait, and it's not the right time. He'll say yes in his time, and he's God. He knows better than we do, so don't be discouraged and don't give up praying. That's why our big idea is real simple. Prayerfully persevere through opposition to fulfill Christ's mission. See, God is here in your prayers whether you think so or not. And Jesus encourages us to be persistent, to keep on knocking so that the door will be open. But here's where it gets real wild. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with chains, and sentries stood guard over him, guard at the entrance. He's laying down between two dudes. And he's chained to these two guys. Don't forget the 16 people that are guarding him, right? How's that for trust? You ever get that way in the middle of the night, man? You got a lot going on, your mind just won't stop, and you're worried about something, something's gonna happen at work, something's gonna happen at home, somebody that you're praying for. But what's Peter doing? He's sleeping. Pete's out like a light. If I was going to die tomorrow, I wouldn't be sleeping. He's literally got 16 guys watching him, chained to two guys. He's sleeping between two men. But it ain't over till it's over when God's involved. And you never know what God's going to do, right? He can still deliver you. But even if he doesn't, that's okay. See, God didn't deliver James. Man, they can take my head, but they can't take my life because I'm going to live forever. I belong to Jesus. They they can't take my faith. They can't take my peace. I'm just going to go to sleep and let God deal with it. It says, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Get up, quick, quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. This is a jailbreak. He's getting out of there quicker than Houdini, man. He gets the ultimate get-out-of-jail-free card. And you know Peter must have been sleeping hard. He was in that REM sleep. He was in that deep sleep because that angel had to smoke him on the side to wake him up. Then the angel said to him, 
Put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. I bet he did. I'd have listened to him. <laughs> he says, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And the angel told him. Peter followed him out of prison, but he had no idea that the angel, what, he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. You ever get like that? You wake up in the middle of the night and you can't figure out whether you're still dreaming or you're still, or you're awake. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them, it opened for them by itself. It wasn't no clap on, clap off. That was the first automatic door. It just opened. <laughs> and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord had sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. Herod tried to stop the very message of Christ. But it can't be kept in chains. Peter's got another opportunity to get out there and tell people about Jesus and get out there and preach and get out there and teach. Nothing's gonna stop it. Nothing's gonna stop this mission. God is gonna set it free. See, chains held Peter back from serving, and that's, that's a good excuse, wouldn't you say? What's yours? What's keeping you chained up? What's preventing you from serving? How many Christians are in prison around the world right now that would love an opportunity to minister to people's needs, to testify about their faith, And here we are in the U.S., we're making excuses. See, understand this, anything that's holding us back is self-imposed. Because there's no king trying to persecute us. There's no guards posted at these doors. Think about that. Are you chained to a desk? Are you locked up behind a busy schedule? Do your kids have you so busy that you can't do it? Are your hands tied to a whole bunch of other commitments and other other activities? Are you shackled by the very embarrassment to talk about God or to talk about spiritual things? See, the mission of winning others to Christ is seriously crippled when we stay stuck in prison cells that we put ourselves in. And here's the sad part about it. The keys are in our own hands to take off the shackles that we've put on ourselves that are holding us back from serving the Lord, from being a witness, from making a difference in this world for God. And maybe you're thinking, you know what, I'm not Peter, and I'm not a preacher, and I'm not a great teacher, and I'm not a wonder worker. What can I do for God? What's my mission? Then you pray that God opens that door and you better be ready to walk through it. God, send me. Tell me what you want me to do. I guarantee you this. If you ask God what he wants you to do, he's going to tell you but you better be ready to walk through it. God, show me the doors that I can walk through and I'll walk through them. And I'm not saying it's gonna be easy because sometimes God shows you this door and it's wide open, you get to walk right through it and there's no pushing and there's no prod and there's no, there's no anything. And the door just flung open and sometimes it doesn't work like that. Sometimes you have to keep praying and praying and praying and praying and find that, that, that perfect combination because sometimes we're just not ready for what God's got in store for us. But don't let anything stop you. You are on a very mission from God. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were doing what? Praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, 
She was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it. <laughs> oh, it's Peter. She didn't even let him in. And exclaimed, Peter's at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. <laughs> Imagine that. How ironically comical is that? Think about this for a minute. We're in this great big giant prayer meeting. Brett's in prison and we're all praying to let him out. And somebody says, hey, Brett's at the door. You're like, stop it. He can't be at the door. He's in prison. We're praying to get him out. <laughs> That's what happened here. See, the answer to their prayers is standing at the door and they don't even have the faith to open it. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Why are we surprised when God answers our prayers? If I ask you a question, should I expect an answer? Sure. You ask me a question, you expect an answer, right? But we pray to God and we don't expect answers. Why? Why should we be surprised when he answers our prayers? See, man, put your head on your pillow at night. Sleep well, sleep in peace. Whether we live or whether we die, God's got us. And it's all for his glory. Nothing can stop his plans. Nothing can stop his works. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. Apparently, there was this, this common thought back then that everybody had a guardian angel and it would appear in human form to imitate that person being guarded. And that's not a biblical idea. It says, but Peter kept on knocking and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. And it makes me wonder, why aren't we experiencing greater success here? Why aren't we experiencing greater momentum, greater motivation for, for, for the mission that God's put on us? Could it be that maybe we're not committed to that intense prayer like the early Christians were? I mean, think about this, and I don't want you to answer this, just think about it. When's the last time you prayed for the church? When's the last time you prayed for our mission? When's the last time you prayed for us to be 3C? Every one of us. When's the last time you prayed for our new guests? For decisions to be made for Christ, for, for people to get baptized, for our ministries to grow, for our ministries to strengthen, for our leaders. Because remember, leaders are just people that have bigger targets for the enemies. I mean, is that a priority for you? Is that a priority when you're in your groups? Because every time we get into a group, for a little bit of that time, it should be like a mini prayer meeting, right? Do we really care about the things that we're praying for or is our prayers just kind of repetition? Earnest, earnest prayer has power. Not because it persuades a, a reluctant God, because it, it, it shows him that we care passionately about the same things that he cares about. What does God care about? He cares about his purpose in the world. To reach people for salvation, right? To forgive them and to reconcile them through his son. Anything we pray along those lines is along the very heart of God. All right, so now everyone is surprised to find Peter, right? And they're all excited. And they're all, think about it. They're all excited. They're noisy. And Peter motioned him with his hand for them to be quiet and describe how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. Now, he's referring to a different James and the apostle who was martyred, right? This would be the half-brother of Jesus, the one that actually wrote the book of James. He becomes a key leader in the Jerusalem church, especially after Peter takes off. 
See, any other apostle that is left there that's remaining in Jerusalem is gonna be on King Herod's most wanted list, right? And this is the last we see of Peter except for a brief mention in Acts 15. The attention now is gonna switch to Paul and Barnabas. But Peter knew that he was gonna suffer for Christ because later he would write, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. See, according to tradition, Peter was eventually put to death. He was crucified, only tradition says that he didn't feel worthy to die the way Jesus did, and he has to be crucified upside down. It didn't happen on this particular night, though. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. How else do you explain a prison break like that? You got 16 guys watching you, you got him chained to two more. How do you explain that? You make your guards your scapegoats. Because the guards permitted the prisoner to escape, right? And in Roman law, that required that they be put to death. See, this really is life or death that we're talking about here, so be prepared for opposition. Be ready to be a target for the enemy, and that's okay. That's, that's a mark of honor. Because Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you too. See, we have to see ourselves as the early Christians did. That we're on a mission from God and nothing is going to stop us. Are we willing to lay our lives on the line for that? It's not going to be easy. And we're not being locked up for the gospel. But it's still a costly thing, right? It could cost you some friends, cost you your reputation, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of resources. Could cost you your career. Could cost you some money. Because we are gonna be misunderstood and we are gonna be misaligned. But that's okay. Because we're gonna sleep well. We're gonna sleep so well, it's gonna take an angel to smoke us on the side to wake us up. And that's my prayer for you that you serve Jesus well and that you sleep well. See, nothing is going to keep this mission or the message in chains. Life is too short and eternity is too long to mess around with just playing church. When you leave this place, you are walking out on your mission field. That's why our big idea is prayerfully persevere through opposition to fulfill Christ's mission. So we've told you what's wrong, now we come up with a plan. I'm gonna tell you the plan. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna apply this, we're gonna put it into action. And we're gonna pray. And I don't mean we're just gonna pray right now. We're gonna have to pray for the 41 days of prayer leading up to Easter. Some churches call that Lent, right? Leading up to Easter. Now there's nothing in the Bible about Lent, but some churches traditionally Begin that period with Ash Wednesday, which is a day dedicated to repentance, symbolized by rubbing ashes on their forehead. And use those days to prepare themselves for Easter with prayer, with, with repentance, with denying themselves. Some people give, go without meals, some people go without meat, some people go without sweets. Whatever becomes a sacrifice. And we're not, we're not asking you to go without. We're asking you to focus on prayer for 41 days through Good Friday. And we're going to provide some, some prayer guidelines for you so that you're not just praying for the same things over and over again, so you're not just praying for, for personal things, but for kingdom things, for Christ's mission in the world, 
for his church, for our church. We're going to begin our 41 days on Sunday, March 1st. Will you join us with that? What could happen if we all got together and we intensely prayed like those early Christians did? Think about it. Let's try a little bit right now. Father God, we love you so much, and I thank you for every single person in this church. And Father God, we want to be a people of prayer. We want to call out to you to do the things that only you can do, to bring hope where only you can bring hope. Lord, we want to see you make a way where only you can make ways because everything else is blocked. God, I just ask you to put that desire inside of us. Give us that, that discipline and that desire and that time to pray. God, I am so excited to anticipate what could possibly happen. Who knows the deliverances that can be made, the freedoms that could happen, what shackles can be taken off, what doors could be opened, what, what powers can be unleashed. Only you understand that. Only you know that. God, I ask you to keep sending your angels to surround us, to guard the church, your church. I ask you to protect all those people that are being persecuted in the, in, in the rough areas, in the hostile areas. Free them, give them courage. God, we believe that nothing can stop your gospel, that no weapons formed against your people will prosper, that the gates of hell can't overcome your church. We believe that with everything we've got. God, we pray for those people that need you, that need Jesus. Make us bold. Help us to get out of our shell. Help us to stop being scared to talk about you. Help us to not be intimidated. Help us to invite them to church, to, to be with them so we can explain you to them. And God, if there's anybody out there right now, I ask you to stir them up. I ask you to tug at their hearts. I ask you to convict their conscience and be with them. God, move them to make decisions to repent to find Jesus as their savior so that you can save them. God, give us trust. Give us trust in you to keep us. Give us sleep so that we can sleep well so the next day we can go out and do it again. But Lord, I ask you to strike us when we need to be stricken so that we can get up and start moving. We need you, Lord. God, just meet us here as we continue to pray. Allow your Holy Spirit to fill this place like it never has before. So I'm going to ask you to keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed. And I'm going to ask you to continue to pray. I'm going to ask you to take a couple of minutes and pray to yourself. And pray for those people who you know need Jesus. Pray for those people that you know are sick. Pray for anything that is on your heart. We're going to give you a couple minutes to do that now.
right, now we're all gonna pray together. We're gonna do the Lord's Prayer. And we're gonna do it how Jesus taught us to do it in Matthew 6. And if you don't know it, it's okay. We're gonna put it up on the screen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus asked Peter one time, he said, who do you say I am? Remember what Peter did? He answered the good confession. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Have you made that confession yet? Will you place your faith in Christ? Will you put your faith in Jesus to be your Messiah, to be your Lord, to be your Savior? Because every single one of us deserves eternal separation from God. And it's not just about where you get to spend eternity. That's a glorious thing. But it's the uncomprehendable ability to have a relationship with God. I can't even describe that. Because I know I'm not worthy, but it's because of Christ. Have you... Have you put that faith in him? Have you put that trust in him? Will you turn from your sin and be baptized into Christ? Because if you're ready to make that decision, during this next song, there's gonna be people that are up front and they're here to help you. So come up front and they'll teach you and they'll help you to learn how to confess your faith in him, how to confess yourself of your sins to God. You don't have to do it to us, you do it to him. And these guys are standing here every single week because they know what it's like to have this relationship and they want you to have it too. They can answer all your questions. They can pray for you. They can help you or they can just pray with you. And they can help you find those next steps. He's at the door. The door's open. Will you go through it?